The Christian scriptures certainly call followers of Jesus toward generosity and hospitality. As Jesus himself taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48, You have heard that it was said, An eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not show opposition against an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other toward him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors, do they not do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles, do they not do the same? Therefore you shall be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Generosity toward those in need, hospitality toward strangers, and care for the vulnerable or disenfranchised are behaviors expected of the people of God. These are indeed ethics of the kingdom of the heavens. As God explained through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 14 through 20, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you over all the other peoples as it is this day. So circumcise your heart and do not stiffen your neck any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the stranger by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. Throughout the First and New Testaments, these behaviors are commended to the people of God. Those who live in these ways are praised. Those who do not are warned, called to repent, and if continuing in their rebelliousness, disciplined. But contrary to much contemporary preaching and teaching, this is not what Jesus' parable of the sheep and the goats was about. Before we look at the parable, we must first contextualize the language that Jesus uses therein. One of the terms that proves essential to understanding Jesus' intent as it's been preserved by the Gospel of Matthew is the term brother. The Greek word is adelphon, or adelphon. And since it can be used to refer generically to one's relatives, it's often translated today as brothers and sisters. This is not a word Jesus used casually in Matthew's recollection of his ministry. Perhaps the most illustrative context is Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. The Gospel says this, While he, Jesus, was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus replied to the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And extending his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. The Christian scriptures do not teach the universal brotherhood or sisterhood of humanity. It is true that all humans are descendants of Adam and Eve by way of Noah and his wife. However, this reality does not lead the writers of scripture to describe humans universally as brothers and sisters. Quite to the contrary, the New Testament authors have insisted that to become part of God's family, we must be adopted by faith in Jesus. 
as Paul has explained in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So we too, when we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In addition to Galatians, Paul used the terminology of adoption in Romans chapter 9, verse 4, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 as well. This is the way Jesus was speaking of family in Matthew 12, when he said, For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. When Jesus used the word brother, he was not referring to humanity generally, but to those who do the will of his Father particularly. Now let's listen to the parable of the sheep and the goats with contextualized ears. This is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed people, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry, or thirsty, or as a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We have to go back a long way to discover the context of this teaching of Jesus. It can be found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. We find these words, And as he, Jesus, was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. This parable of Jesus is the last of a long series of teachings that Jesus did in private with his disciples during the last week of his pre-resurrected life. According to Matthew, only the disciples heard it. What was Jesus trying to tell them? These teachings were prompted by Jesus' declaration that the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. His disciples were understandably vexed by this prediction, and they asked Jesus both when the destruction would occur and when he would reveal himself to be the Messiah. Jesus' responses to both questions were not encouraging to the disciples. Jesus spoke of seasons of great difficulty and tribulation ahead for them. Most dire was his prediction of their future sufferings. We find the following passage in Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 14. 
Then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. It is to this mistreatment of the disciples that Jesus was speaking when he told them the parable of the sheep and the goats. Who are these brothers of mine? Jesus meant to single out those of his disciples who had suffered in the way prescribed in the parable for bearing his message. It was those who bore his message faithfully who would be hungry, thirsty, strangers, naked, sick, and imprisoned. What Jesus was revealing to his disciples and to us through them was that the judgment of the nations at the end of time would take into account their treatment of the disciples of Jesus. Though they would be persecuted and oppressed and even killed for the message of Jesus, at the final judgment the nations will answer for their treatment of Jesus' brothers, that is, their treatment of those who were doing the will of the Father. As I said at the onset, hospitality and generosity are part of the ethics of the kingdom. Those who truly follow Jesus will live in these ways. But the parable of the sheep and the goats does not teach that at the final judgment people will be judged solely based on how they have treated the poor or the criminal. Jesus told the parable of the sheep and the goats to encourage his disciples and to warn the world that the nations and people of the earth will answer at the final judgment for how they receive those who have followed Jesus by doing the will of the Father. There are several ways that we might apply this revelation of Jesus today, but there is one that the Lord seems to have asked me to highlight today. The Lord has an accusation to make against those professors, scholars, pastors, and lay people who have persecuted his prophets and apostles by disregarding or disrespecting the messages from God entrusted to them and preserved in the Christian Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. Throughout the ages, many humans have presumed to speak in the name of a God. Most have spoken presumptuously words from their own imaginations. But I chose the prophets of Israel and my own apostles as a people apart from the world. I put my word in their mouths and I entrusted them with a message for the nations. While they lived, they were persecuted, marginalized, and restrained. After their deaths, many conspired to silence them, to twist the words I had entrusted to them, and to refashion what I said through them into words more amenable to fleshly desires and appetites. Though I had warned such people not to add to or take away from the word I had sent, they did not heed my warning. When the day of judgment comes, I will separate the nations as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. To those who have honored, cared for, received, and embraced my prophets and apostles, I will welcome them into my kingdom. To those who have dishonored, disrespected, rejected, and twisted the words of my prophets and apostles, I will cast you into darkness. Whatever you have done to the least of these brothers of mine, you have done to me. Repent, nations and people of the earth, for I desire the destruction of no one. You must heed the words of those I have sent to you. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower, and he leased it to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his fruit. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they did the same things to them. But afterward he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take possession of his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? 
They said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the fruit in the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, Did you ever read in the scriptures, A stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in your eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and on whomever it falls, it will crush him. Many have seized my vineyard and put my servants, the prophets and the apostles, to death. Their teachings are no longer revered, and their words have been twisted to suit worldly gain. I am coming to reclaim my vineyard. Repent before I come.